This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Film Show. Today is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news and then gathering around the virtual water cooler to talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I am an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. Chris, it's good to have you back on again. Uh, I wanted to start today's episode with just a quick update about the strike. I think a lot of us assumed that after the writer's strike was... Uh, concluded that the actors would would be soon after that the studios would be like willing to work with the actors and like get the entire town back to work. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what has happened. Um, there has been a lot of negotiations going on with the uh, with SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP, the collection of of uh, studios. But unfortunately, they seem to have hit a snack. I got an email yesterday that uh, said that negotiations have been suspended between the two parties, which is not a good sign at all. Um, basically, they've, they've uh, I think, come to blows over the issues of uh, AI and um, residuals, which are kind of like two major topics of what the writers were fighting for and also are obviously two big sticking points for the actors. And evidently, the uh, the phrasing here is that, um, let's see, it is clear that the gap between the AMPTP and SAG-AFTRA is too great and conversations are no longer moving us in a productive direction. So I think all negotiations are suspended from this point forward. I'm not sure how long that's going to last. Um, this definitely seems like a tactic for uh, by uh the producers, the studios to try to sow some division between the, uh, you know, in, in the ranks of the actors. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't have like a great, uh, great hope or, or great outcome for this right now. Um, because obviously we want people to be in the room and talking, but, uh, that's the latest. So I just wanted to give that update here. Um, Chris, do you have any, like, uh, what have you been seeing, um, you know, from your perch about what's been going on with the strikes? How, how do you, how are you feeling about it right now? Yeah, I don't, uh, this is not great news. I, I really, I felt good when the, when the writer's strike was, was ended because, you know, this stuff, it doesn't affect us in a sense as the way it affects actual, you know, people in the, the WGA and, and SAG and stuff like that. But it affects us in that how we do our jobs and how movies are released. You know, Dune was was uh, famously or infamously Dune 2 was delayed till next year because of the strikes. And I really don't want them to start delaying other things because uh, believe it or not, you know, it's easy for us to forget this, us in, in the industry, but 
uh, promotion really helps movies. And when actors aren't available to go out on, on t- late night talk shows and promote their movies, it, it hurts the films. And so stuff is not being promoted the way it should be. And that's going to make studios anxious and they might want to pull other releases. You know, I just, I don't want things to start getting pushed to next year. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want, I want us to be able to do our jobs basically is what I'm saying. So I, I really hope uh, they can figure this out. It's really annoying that. And when I say they, I mean, th- you know, this is the studio's fault. This is not the actor's fault. I, I, I really wish the studios would get their shit together and, stop being idiots and, <laughs> and work this out. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so before we get into the water cooler, I thought uh, it would be fun to read uh, an email uh, about a subject that I, I know that you're interested in, Chris. So Neil from Missouri wrote in uh, just this morning, actually, Killers of the Flower Moon is coming up and it's one of my most anticipated movies. It's long runtime at three and a half hours doesn't bother me, but I know it has to be a factor for a lot of people. Some people would rather wait to watch at home so they can pause it to go to the bathroom. Marty, or Marty, Martin, Martin Scorsese, argues that you can watch TV for five hours, but I don't think he takes into account that you can pause it. So my question is, why don't we get intermissions on movies with this length anymore? Is it because theaters want more showtimes? Is it a creative decision? I don't think a 10 minute intermission would make that big of a difference in showtimes. And it might draw more people to see it in theaters, knowing that that is, is a part of the experience. What are your thoughts? Do you want an intermission? Do you think it would make a difference for the majority of people? So I, thank you to Neil for writing that. And yeah, what do you think about this, Chris? Yeah, I think that would be cool if they brought back intermissions for, for, for long movies. I mean, you know, theater, Broadway does intermissions and it works perfect for them there's no reason uh a, a movie can't bring this back you know i, I i'm sure st- like studios and, and theaters don't want to do it because they don't want to for whatever reason but you know every once in a while i have i remember when the hateful eight came out it had an intermission when i saw it mm-hmm. and I thought that was a neat little uh idea you know it was a, a brief break in in the film um uh, you could get up and go to the bathroom if you need to. You could, you know, digest what you just saw. There's, there's really no reason to not bring it back. And, you know, I go to AMC theaters cause I have no choice and they have like 40 friggin' minutes of trailer. <laughs> yes. So if they can have that, they can have an intermission. You know? <laughs> yeah. And maybe even they could like do an intermission and play trailers during that or something. I mean, that might yeah. be like too, um, too disruptive of an experience or something, but like, you know, if, if they are worried about dead air or something like you could you could take some of the um, some of the trailers from that 40 minute uh, introductory experience and like drop them into the middle of the movie or something. Um, I don't know. Just an idea. Just spitballing here. AMC, call me. Let me know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was going to use the Hateful Eight as uh, that as the example, um, my go to example here, because that I think that's the only movie that I've seen. Aside from like, I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey in in uh, theaters when I was living in LA, and there was obviously an intermission like baked into that. Um, but like the the only recent movie that I can remember is Hateful Eight doing it, and that was a really cool experience because I did go to the bathroom and I like overheard people you know talking at the urinals or whatever about like holy shit, like I can't believe that just happened in this movie, and it was like a it was like a unifying experience for everybody to be able to you know take a collective breath and. And like, yeah, like you said, like assess what you've seen and and then like uh, go back into the back half of the movie, like energized and ready for more. So um, I, I'm I'm with Neil. I feel like, you know, a 10 minute break or whatever is not going to necessarily sh- uh, throw off the the uh, studio or the theater's plans to, um, 
you know, screen the movie as many times as possible during a day or whatever. Like, I, I guess that time uh, adds up over the course of the day, but also for the theaters, like they make a lot of their money through, um, through concessions. And that's just one more opportunity for people to go out into the, into the um, lobby or whatever, and like buy more popcorn or whatever. So like, yeah. it seems like a, a win-win idea. So um, yeah, good, good question there, Neil. Hopefully, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe studios and, and theaters will actually start incorporating this. Uh, into the future. That'd be really cool to see. Um, all right, before we get into the water cooler, let's take a very quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, Chris, let's get into it. What have you been doing recently? Uh, I went on a haunted hayride. It's 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 Halloween season and I'm a big Halloween season fan. And uh, I hadn't been on one of these in a, in a long time. And I, I went on one over, over the weekend uh, at this place called Creamy Acres. It's a farm here in, here in New Jersey where I live. Uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely, it was definitely corny. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of, uh, at one point they drove us into a barn and turned the lights out and then they started playing, let the bodies hit the floor. And then a a bunch of like clowns came out and started dancing or, and they were like scary clowns. It's, it's, it's clearly like (laughs) it's aimed for people. I, uh, when I, when I was waiting in line, I noticed that like everyone there was, was at least like 10 years younger than me. So maybe I'm getting too old for this, but I, I, I had a good time. I, that when we sounds went, amazing. Chris. Yes. When we went into the bodies hit the, hit the floor bar and I was like, this is fun. This is a fun little thing to do. So, yeah. um, I know that like Jacob has been on this podcast in years past talking about how he goes to, you know, a bunch of different places in the Texas area around where he lives. And I think he even drives like several hours to go to, different haunted experiences and stuff. And maybe he'll talk about that at some point uh, this month. Cause I know that he went to one recently, but like, is this the, um, I guess what's your relationship with the, the haunted hayride or haunted house kind of scene in your area, Chris, is this something that you do like every year or is this an, was it the first time that you went to this one or what's the deal? I went to this one a long time ago. This is the first time I had gone to uh, one in, in several years. And I, uh, so I'm I'm not as I I love them. I'm just not as committed to the idea as Jacob is, and there there aren't like there are a few around me, but those things are expensive, man. This thing was like it's like forty bucks for for the for the experience, and mm. 40, 40 bucks is a lot of money. Like so yeah. it adds up. So uh, I, I don't know I don't know how Jacob does it, and I also I have a low tolerance for other people. So. <laughs> yeah. And there were a lot of like kids on the ride and I was like, ah, oh, great, here we go. And they were like talking. I was like, can't we just all sit in silence and enjoy the dancing monster clowns? <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you had that experience. Do you think that, uh, like, is that, I guess, did you have a good enough time that you're like, um, excited to go back, you know, next year or something, or would you like try a different place next time? Or what do you think? I'll, I'll probably try a different one just to get the, get a different flavor just because it's like, all right, I've seen this one. Let's see what else there is out there because, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I definitely want to do more of them. Uh, and I, I think I'm actually going to go to one, uh, next weekend too. So we'll, Sweet. I'll, I'll report back. Excellent. Okay. Uh, all right, let's get into what we've been watching. I watched a movie directed by Frank Capra that came out in 1937 called Lost Horizon. This is the movie that, uh, it's based on a book of the same title and that book introduced the concept of Shangri-La, which is like a, um, you know, even if you've never seen this movie or read this book, you've probably heard of Shangri-La, this like mythical, uh, utopian society up in the mountains, like sheltered, you know, uh, away from the, the, uh, modern world. Um, have you ever seen this movie by any chance, Chris? I have not. It's very good. I liked it a lot, especially for coming out 
in the late 30s. Uh, the visuals in this thing are incredible. Like there's there um, there's like a plane crash sequence, and uh, you know characters are like out in the Himalayas or whatever, like completely you know covered in snow, and they're like hiking along these this uh, mountain range, and all of it looks like very very impressive for. Um, you know, considering the fact that like <laughs> sound just entered the the medium, you know, ten years before or whatever it was. So like, uh, I, I'm always I always find myself consistently impressed by um, the technological advances that were made so quickly in the early days of uh, of the talkies as they as they're called. Um, and this movie, I think, is uh, it's just a really good example of like what studios what the studio system could produce and and what a great director like Frank Capra could do with like a big scope and um, really great source material. It was a very popular novel at the time. Uh, I think it came out, you know, three or four years before the movie came out. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I thought it was a, a really interesting, it, it takes some, the story takes some really interesting twists and turns that I didn't see coming. Um, and at the end, especially, I was like, oh man, you're like, you're doing something really, really fascinating here. Um, and obviously the the story, the, the main like underlying concept of Shangri-La has like, uh, tentacled out into a bunch of different aspects of, of pop culture and stuff. But um, it was cool to like go back to the source and see where it all started with a movie called Lost Horizon. So uh, check that out if you're interested. Um, I also had a chance to see a new movie called Mr. Organ, which I think technically came out in 2022 in New Zealand, which is uh, it's a new movie from David Ferrier, who was the guy who directed Tickled. Uh, David Ferrier is a, is a journalist and filmmaker, um, a documentarian, and this new movie, I think it it played some festivals last year, and then mm -hmm. it's uh, coming to U.S. theaters tomorrow, um, Friday the 13th. So uh, have you seen, are you familiar with David Ferrier at all, Chris? Do you know his yeah. work? Did you see Tickled? Uh, yeah, actually, I've, I've seen this. I reviewed it for us. Uh, I saw it at Fantastic Fest uh, last year. They played it there. So I've seen awesome. this. Okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, I, I didn't like this movie as much as Tickled because Tickled is like so... Um, the the uh, I guess David Ferrier's kind of whole thing is that he's like a, a writer and um, yeah, like a, a journalist. And he writes for, uh, I think, New England... Or, or I'm sorry, uh, New Zealand-based websites and things like that. And he just like covers... Uh, small town life and somehow uh, stumbles into conspiracies and like larger than life uh, characters and, and people that um, are into subcultures that he has no idea about. It's not like he's actively going out and seeking things out. He's just kind of like is able to, um, you know, he has a really good nose for when to follow a story beyond when other people would stop paying attention to it. And that leads him to some really fascinating places. And that's what happened with Tickled, where he like uncovered this entire uh, <laughs> underground subculture of like competitive tickling, which is like a totally insane thing. And that movie is really, really great. This movie is much more, um, it, it's a little bit more smaller scale. It's more about him discovering that the, the basic premise here is that uh, there are people in a parking lot in front of an antique store who start uh, putting uh, car like tire clamps on people's tires when they park in front of the store and charging them exorbitant amounts of money to get these clamps removed. And it's technically legal because it's private property. And uh, th these people are basically just like extorting anyone who parks in this, this area. So Farrier starts writing about them and realizing very quickly that the people who run the antique store, there's this one guy who um, is 
claim has claimed to be a prince in the past and has like this really shady history and he just keeps diving and diving and diving and prodding into this guy's background and like ingratiating himself with the folks who run this antique store and like because uh, forcing this really um uh antagonistic relationship between these people and then things just like kind of spin out of control from there i don't really want to give much away but um it, it's it's a smaller scale story it's not like he's uncovering uh, a massive like global ring or global conspiracy or anything but it's um it's a really fascinating type of movie making that he does where you just really get like locked into what he's doing and and um you've you are, I, I find myself on the edge of my seat, like unable to uh, look away from the screen. It's like so fascinating. But wh- what did you think about Mr. Organ? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a uh, fascinating, um, I thought the, the, the subject, the, the titular Mr. Organ, if you will, uh, was just, um, basically he's like, if you've seen the, what you, what we do in the shadows TV show, he's like a real life energy vampire. Basically he just, yes. <laughs> he has this way of just talking and talking and it wears you down. And part of the fun, uh, I use the the word fun in quotes here of the movie is just watching David Ferrier get like exhausted, just like sitting and listening to this guy talk about like, just, he just bullshits his way through life. And it's like, how can, how can someone be like this? It's like insane. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I, and so that's, that's sort of like the, 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 the thing about the movie that I thought was just interesting that how this, this guy is just this, real energy vampire who just sucks people dry with with his very very long stories about himself yeah he farrier says that like he'll get on the phone what for what is supposed to be like a 10 minute call and it turns into like a multi-hour phone call and it's just yeah the guy just like loves to hear himself speak and he talks in circles and he just like says nothing and just kind of like yeah wears you down and he does all these interviews with people who have uh, interacted with this guy over the years and they're all they all just seem like uh shells of humans like this guy has has just broken their their uh their constitution or something it's it's um really kind of amazing um so anyway it's called mr organ uh, check it out if you're are curious about that kind of thing uh yeah it, it's it, it almost feels like a true crime type of story even though the crime is not like um as salacious as some other true crime documentaries would would uh you know would reveal or whatever, but uh, yeah, it's called Mr. Organ. Um, I also had a chance to see uh, the Equalizer three and Dumb Money in in theaters the other day. Um, have you seen e- either of these, Chris? I've seen Equalizer three. I have not seen Dumb Money. I did this weird thing where so I have the uh, AMC A list, and so I can see. I think it's three movies a week um, for uh, essentially well, not for free, but it's like twenty dollars a month or something, and I can see like three movies a week at, at AMC. And uh, I did something I never do, which is I went to see Equalizer three without having seen the first two Equalizer Equalizer movies. Oh wow! Uh, and so I, I still really enjoyed the movie. I, I found it to be I love the Italian setting. I thought the the setting was gorgeous, and um, yeah, it was just really entertaining to see like Denzel you know do his thing. And I haven't realized I haven't seen a Denzel Washington led movie in a while i think like maybe the magnificent seven or something might have been the last one that i've seen because i've been out on these uh these equalizer movies um and that's kind of like all he's been doing over the past few years so uh yeah i don't know i i I enjoyed this i mean i I think i've I've seen people refer to this as like almost like denzel in serial killer mode and that's kind of what it feels like in the in the back half of the movie like it's very like a very much like an old western where 
you know, he, he rolls into a small town and makes friends with the locals. And then uh, there's a gang that, that comes in and starts like terrorizing the community. And he is basically like, not on my watch. <laughs> like, you know, just sort of uh, goes through and, and um, takes out this, these gang members one by one. And so the end of the movie, he's basically just like killing a bunch of dudes. And it's almost like he's Michael Myers or something. So um, what did you think about Equalizer 3, Chris? Yeah, I really liked it. I, I, I don't love the first Equalizer, but I really like the second one. And I really like this one. And it, it really is. It's like, these are like slasher movies told from the point of view of the slasher. And, and it's just... You know, there's not a lot to these movies, but it's just fun. It's, it, you know, as crazy as this is going to make me sound, it's just fun to watch Denzel Washington murder a bunch of people. It's just <laughs> like there's a, there's a part in this in Equalizer 3 where he jams a gun into a guy's forehead and then shoots another guy with the gun. So it's, he's like shooting through a man's forehead into someone else. It's just like insane. It's like it's very creative kills. It's it's the kind of kills you usually only get in slasher movies, but they're done in, in sort of this uh, action movie sort of way. So yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of want them to just keep making these movies because I, I will gladly watch Denzel Washington murder a bunch of people. Yeah, definitely. I also appreciated the casting of D- uh, Dakota Fanning in this one. So it was a nice little uh, man on fire reunion between those two. Um, I, I enjoyed her presence in this. I mean, she's, she's not like out there murdering dudes in the streets like Denzel is, but, um, but I, I appreciated her presence nonetheless. Uh, Dumb Money is um, almost exactly what you think it's going to be from the trailer. It's like, you know, it's it's about the GameStop stock situation. Um, I really like the cast. I think everybody does a, a pretty good job with this movie, um, with what they're given in this movie. But like, I kind of walked away from it feeling like, okay, I, I kind of knew uh, most of this stuff and I, I wasn't really um, enlightened in any way beyond uh, just seeing a couple of like decent performances. So I don't know if I would highly recommend people running out and seeing dumb money, but it, it does seem like a good, like a uh, lazy afternoon Netflix watch or something. If it, if it comes to a streaming service at some point. So, um, and then uh, speaking of Netflix, I, I caught up with the rest of the Wes Anderson shorts on Netflix. Um, I watched the wonderful story of Henry sugar, not too long ago. And then, uh, realized that there were, I think three more out after that, uh, the rat catcher poison and the swan. And, um, I think the Swan is my least favorite, but the other two I really, really liked a lot. So, have you seen all of these yet, Chris? I have. I, I really liked them. I, I, uh, I, I kind of wish there were more. I, I was like, man, I, I, I could watch like ten more of these. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I wonder if this is something that he's going to continue to do because, like, Netflix has the rights to the Roll Doll um, uh, bibliography or whatever you want to call it, and uh, and I, I wonder if Wes Anderson is going to, especially because like there's the possibility that he wins an Oscar for best original short with Henry sugar this year. And like if Netflix sees the value in, you know, adding another Oscar to their shelves, maybe they will uh, continue to fund Wes Anderson doing these fun little um, experiments, these, these short films. So um, all of them are very much uh, of a piece in terms of the style. Um, And I really like the, the style of what he's doing with these uh, short film adaptations. So um, check those out if you're interested in Wes Anderson at all. And even if you like haven't loved, even if you saw Asteroid City and were kind of uh, left cold by it, like I kind of was the first time I watched that movie. um, I I think this will maybe give you a warmer feeling toward Wes Anderson because these feel a little bit more, um, I don't know, a little bit more. uh, Hmm. What's the, what's the way to say it? Wes Anderson-y? 
well, certainly that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I guess that that encompasses uh, a lot of things. So yeah, we'll just go with that. But uh, Plus what, they're short. They're you know they're really short. You can yeah. Them. The Henry Sugar I think is thirty nine minutes, and all the other ones I want to say are like seventeen minutes. So um, definitely an easy uh, easy watch. Um, Chris, what have you been watching recently? So I just watched a documentary on Max called Last Stop Larima. Uh It's 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 um, I think it just came out. And uh, this is about a small town. And I mean, very small in Australia where the, the population of the town was 11 people. And then one day, one of the 11 people went missing, which made the remaining 10 people all suspects in this guy's disappearance. So uh, it's, it's sort of a true crime thing, but it's really just about this very small community is it, and, you know, these people and they're they're all very Australian and they're they're all constantly drinking beer and saying Australian things. And uh, I, I just found it like a fascinating sort of like slice of like life documentary. And it's not done in like a like let's point and laugh at these goofy Australian sort of way. But it's 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 just amusing to watch these people and how they, you know, act and how they behave. And it's just a fascinating portrait of this you know, this place in the middle of literally nowhere where, you know, only 11 people live and everybody knows everybody. And there's like a, there's, you know, there's no Wi-Fi. They have, there's a bar that everyone goes to. And uh, that's really it. There's also this woman who sells meat pies. It's just, it's a very interesting sort of portrait of this small community. So, yeah. Uh, Is this a movie or a series? This is a movie. So uh, it's, it's like an hour and 50 minutes. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, this was on my radar. And I was I was worried that it was going to be one of those. Um, and Max has done this. Max has been uh, a party to this before, like the McDonald's uh, documentary, I think the the uh, McMillions was uh, was guilty of like, stretching the the um, subject matter beyond its its breaking point or whatever, like just going too long. And I think uh, I, I was worried that this was a show and this was going to be like a four episode thing and it really didn't need to be. So I'm glad to hear that it's a movie. So uh, excellent. Okay. So that's Last Stop Larima, which is on Max. What else have you been watching, Chris? I just rewatched Halloween Kills, which is the second entry in David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. Um, I It's the one I, I watched the least because it's the one I like the least, but I gotta say, I know everyone like everyone hated this, but I I kind of I kind of like it. And I'm very curious of our listeners out there if, if anyone else like thinks this movie is sort of underrated. Um, to be to be clear, the script is really bad. <laughs> it's a really bad <laughs> script. The dialogue is just terrible. But there's there's something about this movie that I I whether it's the style or or what that I I can't completely turn away from it. So I would love if our listeners out there, someone, if they want to write in and tell us if the, if they have a soft spot for Halloween kills and think it's, it's kind of underrated because uh, you know, I, the trilogy as a whole, I like the trilogy. I, and I, I know a lot of people turned on it. I really like Halloween ends, but I recognize why people don't like Halloween ends, but I think it's, it's pretty damn great. But this this feels like the one that everyone likes the least, and I'd be curious to see if if the tide has turned over the years since it came out, and if people have revisited it at all. Excellent. Okay, yeah, I, I remember uh, not loving this one, but I, I liked the first and third in that David Gordon Green trilogy. But um, but I've only seen it once, so maybe like I like you, know, maybe it'll grow on me more if I give it another shot. And it is October, so maybe now is the time to do it. But yeah. 
Uh, okay, cool. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. The Slash Film Show is published two times a week, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. You can send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, mailbag topics, and Halloween kills takes to us at <laughs> bpearson at slashfilm.com. Uh, make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Thank you to Neil for sending us that email earlier today. And uh, yeah, don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week.